can. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Yourself, Yourself Why, Why Not, Not podcast. podcast. It is Shay here. And I am Jayla. Today we have special guest, Megan Mahalik Cunningham. Round of applause. Whoop, 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 whoop. Thank you. Welcome, Megan. So are you a podcast expert here? Is this your first one? I am one? a podcast virgin. Oh, wow. So, so do you like to listen to podcasts? I do. Okay. What's your favorite kind of genre? My favorite podcast is Things You Should Know. Things you I should like know. to narrow down on random topics. Yeah, I do too. I love a little fact. I thought you were going to say sports. Megan is one of the uh, most knowledgeable sports people I think I've ever met. Mm-hmm. I can't focus on sports that aren't live. I have a thing about that. So yeah. it can't be pre-recorded. It gets, it gets in my head. It's a weird thing. I don't know. I'm weird. You like to have it live. I live. do too. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's more in the moment. Yeah, it is more in the moment. Um, but first, before we start, we do want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast. We have seen a lot of like uptakes and downloads and a lot of yeah. listens, so we appreciate that. And the best way to keep us going is to share it. If you like it, share it with your friends. Like it. Yes. And if you give us a little rate and a subscribe, too, it just helps people be able to find us more. Yeah. And it kind of we kind of get excited to see who's listening, you know. Yeah. And then we do have... We put, we'll put it on our website, too. You can leave us um, voicemail messages now, too. So if you want to mm-hmm. give a little shout-out, maybe we'll play you. Yeah. So, Megan, welcome. Megan is one of my, my best friends from college. It's, you know, we've only been out of college, what, five years? Something like yeah. that? Plus <laughs> 20? I don't know. Whatever. We like to joke that we paid to be friends because we were in a sorority. Um, but that friendship. Good investment. Yeah, well, that investment ended up being worth it. Um, so we've known each other, what, over 20 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've lived a lot of life in those 20 years. Um, but we asked Megan to send us a little quote of the day. Do you want to, you want to talk about it, Megan? Your quote yeah. of the day? So my quote, well, quote of the day, my quote of life is from the great Maya Angelou. And it is, I've learned that you shouldn't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands. You need to be able to throw something back. I like it. What do you, how do you interpret that? There's, I feel like there's a bajillion different ways. What's your interpretation That's what of that? I think I love about it is there are a bajillion different ways. So I think the thing that resonated with me, I mean, you knew me in college. I was, yeah. you know, I, I was a little tough. She's feisty. Um, a little feisty. <laughs> and so I like to think, you know, I didn't ever take anything lying down and, you know, always kind of stood up for myself and, and stood my ground and stood up for what I believed in. So that was kind of my initial perception. But when I, when I think about it and as I, you know, kind of grow as a person, I realize that it does have multiple meanings. You know, it can be about not just taking, you know, from society and your community and giving back and making sure that you're always, you know, looking to how you can contribute rather than, you know, just pile things on. Yeah, that's, that was yeah. my interpretation. We were talking about it yesterday, and my interpretation is to you have to say no to some things. You know, you can't just you know, assume and take on everything, you know, you can't just keep saying yes, 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 yes. And, uh, you know, just taking it and drown gotta yourself. Got to say no to some things, which that's something I struggle with really bad. Yeah. So. I took it as that you can't just take from people. you got to give back sometimes too. But I figured with you too, like, I like how you always stand up for yourself. Um, because I think a lot of times too, I know I was told as a little girl, girls should be seen and not heard. And I'm sure all of us had heard that at at some point in our life and you know yeah that's times are changing yeah times are changing so our mantra of the day i love a mantra sometimes when i am 
feeling overwhelmed, if you just say a simple mantra, it can bring you back to being grounded. And I think this one's a good one for today. It is, I am filled with love for myself and others. And I thought that that went well with what we're going to be talking about today. You guys like that one? Yeah. Yeah. So, Me- so Megan is originally from Steubenville, Ohio, um, and now lives in Wexford, Pennsylvania with her family. And um, like I said, we knew each other from college. She's a mom. She's a wife. She has a big corporate job as a your national marketing director now, right? Yeah, I have two jobs right now. One's international and one's head of North American marketing. No big deal. So she's doing the damn thing. And not to mention, Megan had a kidney transplant. Um, How many years has it been now? Almost five. It'll be five in July. Five years in July. And uh, it's um, it's kind of a, a crazy story when you think about it. And it's crazy to think that you had a kidney transplant. Like, right? In your 30s. I think about it all the time and I'm like, and you handled it so well, um, you know. It just was remarkable to see you go through it. But this was like like a duck, Shay, like a duck, calm yeah. on the surface, panicked underneath. Well, I'm sure you were, but you sure you sure as hell didn't let anybody know yeah. it. I went to go. And you were pre- Were you pregnant, right or no? I was pregnant when I found out I needed it. Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. It was chaos. Yeah, I remember going to see you in the hospital, and you were just like cool as a cucumber, and I was like, oh my god, it was. A lot, a lot, there a lot. There were a lot of drugs in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> they do help. But this was not your first experience with the kidney transplant, correct? Your mother. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, so weird freaky thing. Our uh, kidney diseases were unrelated. My mom had what's, what's called polycystic kidney disease. And it's a hereditary disease, which I had tested for knowing she had it. I knew I had a 50% chance of having it. Um, I'm an only child. So I went and got tested uh, probably when I was about 18, uh, shortly after she had um, her transplant, and then again before I had my kids, just to see, you know, kind of what I might be in for. Um, and I never had any signs of it. But yeah, polycystic kidney disease, and we have some other friends actually who have that, and know several of the people who struggle with it. It is a disease in which your kidneys fill up with cysts, and they end up look, they end up looking like a like a bunch of grapes, huh. right? They just Ow. get totally polluted with cysts to the point where they no longer work. And so my mom was fortunate to get a kidney transplant from her sister when she was, um, I want to say around 40. Mm. I'd have to do the math. But she has been living with a kidney transplant for uh, over 20 years now. Not wow. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Really well. And so, yeah, I had a great role model in this. So I feel like yeah. I was certainly panicked, but not quite as panicked had I not had such a strong role model. Yeah. So I'd already been through it, and my mom is tough as nails. She's so beautiful, too. I, Your mom's like... She, Gorgeous. Yeah, and she's been skinnier than me since I was in fifth grade. So (laughs) the worst. Not not at all a sore topic, but yeah, Um, she's like the toughest person I know. Yeah. So I think it was it was good to have had that example, and so I wasn't like, oh my god, I'm dying. Mm. And there was still a little bit of that, but um, yeah, yeah, she had gone through that, yeah, twenty twenty plus years ago, and it it went really well. She had you know some bumps in the road, but did quite well. Uh, wow. In general, was, you know, a relatively uneventful uh, transplant. For her. And I remember you saying you, your plan was always to give your mom another kidney at some point. Yeah, because they only last a certain amount of time. You know, t- 20 years is a, is a lot. She's done quite well. Yeah. People, um, I forget what the average is, but it's between 10 and 20 years, probably 15. Um, so, yeah, I had always planned. She got it when I was in high school. And so I had always 
figured, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll be grown and I'll donate a kidney to my mom and that's just how life will go. Turns out she does not want mine because they didn't work. <laughs> so <laughs> even though your, your kidney transplant or your, your kidney disease was unrelated to your mom's, wh- what did they think happened when you were pregnant with your daughter? So they found it when I was pregnant with Quinn, who's my second child. Yeah. Um, they don't think it was at all related to the pregnancy. Uh, I, they don't know. They really don't know what happened. They think I might have had an infection when I was a child that oh, wow. did the initial damage. And like then a strep? Later. Yeah, some kind of like a strep or some kind of infection um, that just infected the kidneys. But, yeah, it's weird that they, you know, we never found it since then. I did have some, some lab work. I got sick right when I got pregnant with Quinn. Just, you know, a regular kidney infection. And my labs were off. But, you know, we were more worried about the pregnancy and didn't really think much of it. But I don't have any baseline. I never had kidney no. a kidney panel run. So I don't have any idea if it was bad before that. It's not a normal thing they would run for people unless you have, you know, a, a, an apparent kidney issue. So... Yeah, we have no idea, but by the time they found it, my kidneys were almost entirely dead. So, what are, like, some symptoms that you would have that you maybe weren't aware of? So. Of a kidney failure. Well, the fact that I was pregnant really compounded some of the things. Because yeah. the symptoms, you you generally don't have a lot of symptoms for kidney disease until it's really bad. So, whenever I was pregnant, you know, the symptoms are being tired. Well, you know, I mean, pregnant, tired. already yeah. really tired. I was in my first trimester of pregnancy. So, you know, that doesn't really, doesn't really help. <laughs> it didn't really yeah. stand out to me. Um, high blood pressure was actually how they found it. So I wasn't feeling well. And I don't know why, but I took my blood pressure. Like I had a blood pressure cuff here and I just took it because I was consistently not feeling well and couldn't find any, any other reason. Mm-hmm. And so I called the doctor and was like, I, you know, I, I have the high blood pressure. We need to figure out what's going on. And they thought I just had, you know, preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. And so when I went into the hospital, they ran, they couldn't figure anything out. So they ran just everything. And that's when they saw that my kidney values were elevated. So that was, I must have been like eight months pregnant with Quinn. It was January and I had her in February. So about eight months pregnant. And they just, you know, we kind of thought it was just preeclampsia. But it turned out it was kidney failure which we didn't know at that point was if it was temporary or permanent mm-hmm. wow pretty pretty so, so just basically your symptoms the main one was just your high blood pressure that really kind of sparked yeah. the concern excessive yeah and it turns out my mom had so when my mom had me she had all kinds of complications hence the only child thing. yeah so she had a ton of complications which probably were due to the kidney disease that just nobody knew about her blood pressure went crazy high um so yeah that was that was really it was just the high blood pressure and you know I would have been tired but I didn't notice it because I was pregnant yeah I know with kidney disease um I sell a drug for multiple myeloma and they a lot of patients with multiple myeloma end up having a lot of kidney issues and the kidneys really they clean your blood so if your kidneys aren't working your blood's basically filled with toxins Mm -hmm. and that can cause you to feel confused and tired and thirsty and all those other things that go along with it but itchy but I do feel like all of us and maybe this is a a talk about being aware of what's going on too like we run our life at like 100 miles per hour I mean I could see 
I, I, I didn't even know I was in labor when I was in labor. Like, I just Same, feel like yeah. we're just kind of disconnected sometimes. With, we're with, kind of like, it is what it is. Let's get through it. <laughs> yeah. Like, push it through. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if you feel like that now. Like, looking back, maybe there were signs, but you just didn't know. Yeah. Or you ignored it's, it's it. because you just don't. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think with women, too, you know, when you're pregnant, it was my second pregnancy, but still, it's such a crazy time. And your body's doing these wacko things. And so I just chalked everything up to pregnancy. But I think it's yeah. a, you know, it's a risk that, that a lot of women run. Right. That you, know, yeah. you do need to be in touch with your body and understand what's going on because there are other things happening. And it, you know, it's not always the most obvious thing that, that might be driving, you know, what, what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So after. The other thing, actually, I was anemic. I was always anemic. Oh, oh yeah. Shit. Yeah. But again, that's not an unusual thing for women. Yeah, but that is yeah. If I know if you have like um, Mm -hmm. heavy periods and stuff, a lot of women can develop being anemic from that. I know my friend Olivia, she's anemic and she has really heavy menstrual cycles, and it can really affect that. But um, yeah, so yeah, that is a sign. Um, in myeloma of end organ damage, they call it is anemia. Um, but yeah, just all those little things that you know. I think we just suck it up Mm -hmm. and push through. Um, so when you, I mean, you had your second child, which you had two kids in under two years or around two years apart, right? Yeah. They're just, yeah. They're January 19th and February 8th. So just less than three weeks. Yeah. Um, separates two years. Awesome. So kids. what happened after you gave birth? Like yeah. what, what was oh. the plan? Did the plan? So they actually induced her. So I, they found, so I'm in, it's like January 31st or something, right? I'm in the hospital and they're running all the tests all of the tests and I'm hooked up to a million things. Um, also I had a nurse that told me, here's a, you know, you got to throw something back moment. I had a nurse at my OBGYN and she questioned why I took my blood pressure and told me that I just had high blood pressure because I was in the doctor's office and I was nervous. Mm -hmm. And I was like, lady, there's something wrong with me. And she tried to play it off Mm -hmm. and downplay what was happening. And I insisted, and that lady has never looked at me at the OB-GYN again. I believe it. Never. My eyes. And I was livid. Now, my OB, everyone else there was phenomenal, supportive, like, came yeah. to see me at the hospital, like, you know, checked on me, awesome people. But again, like, you have to handle your health because... You have to be your own advocate. You're yeah. just a number. Yeah. You really do. You're a number do. in a hospital. Like, people yeah. care, but they're too busy to advocate for you. You've got to advocate for yourself because I would have just like come home and been like, well, the nurse said I'm crazy. Yeah. And the next so, thing you know. Yeah. After I told her, shut up. And they put me, they sent me to the hospital, ran all the tests, found out that I had um, some issues with the kidneys, sent me home and asked me to do blood work like every day. So I'm three weeks from having one at this point. They watched the blood work and it kept getting worse. Now, at this point, my nephrologist is the kidney doctor. Yeah. She was a woman who was probably in her 50s, really sweet woman, um, had children of her own. She did not tell me how bad it was. That's good. I'm eternally grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she, sister knew what's up, right? Yeah. She mm-hmm. did not. She's like, you're going to be fine. She did not get in my head because I had to have a baby. So, she kept checking the blood work, and she called me on the 7th of February and was like, it's baby time. Let's get this baby out so we can do a biopsy because they do kidney biopsies. So they have to, 
go in yeah it's a, it's a big needle yeah like a real big needle and they didn't they couldn't do that while i was pregnant it would be too much trauma yeah the baby was baked so quinn was due on the 14th of february so valentine's day baby came on the 8th yeah. uh, went in got induced got that baby out and then um the doctor came in to see me in the hospital like two days later just after shay did yeah. and said um you have no idea how happy I was to see a healthy baby. And that's when I lost it. And I was like, oh, God, I'm not in good shape. Yeah. And I was, like, she was worried for Quinn's health. Yeah. And I, like, it had never crossed my mind. Yeah. That something could be wrong with Quinn. So then I was, like, like retrospective panic. Not to mention your, like, hormone dump. Oh, yeah. I, right? You know, all that stuff big, that happens. Big milk and I mean, boobies, like, oh, everything. Yeah. The whole Coming thing. Thank God. Quinn was an easier way easier labor than Mick. He was nine pounds. It's just Mick was huge. Zero of ten. Do not recommend. Yeah. No. Not fun. No. Quinn was a little, you know, normal sized baby. Easy to have. Just she was just a just a pleasant little bundle. So thank God she made it easy on me. Yeah. And they I went home from the hospital and like the next day I had to come back. So my mom's here and I had to feed Quinn's formula and I was like a wreck about that because you know, yeah. I it was the day three, I couldn't pump or anything. So I had to feed a formula, I go to the hospital, I get the biopsy and they called me into the office, never a good sign, right? right. And they say, you gotta come in for the results. And so like within a week of having Quinn, I'm in the doctor's office and they're like, you're going on the transplant list. Your kidneys are all but 13% dead tissue. Wow. Oh my gosh. Right? Now like up, up to this point, I'm thinking they're going to give me some steroids Yep. and I'll be good to go. You right? would probably like, talk to your mom. She said, listen, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. I, and she, she hadn't said much, which now I know mm -hmm. <laughs> it was probably no bueno. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a wise woman. So... Yeah, and I, you know, I came home, and my parents called me, like, how was the appointment? I was like, uh, fine, and so they showed up at my house, because they were, you know, they knew, yeah. and so I told them, and then, like, the, like, the mental death spiral happened, yeah. right? I'm yeah. sitting there with a newborn, and an 18-year-old, two -year -old. Two -year -old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I'm, like, crying every night, like, I'm never gonna see you grow up, and right. oh my god, like, panic. Right, mm -hmm. like total panic. Like, how am I going to function? Even though I knew my mom was fine, all of that, but it was like real hard. You got to do that, though. You got to get yourself like through yeah. that spiral yeah. to get through it. Yeah. So that put like everything in life in perspective. Yeah. But like little things, like the little things that you don't think about. Like, I knew once I had a transplant, I shouldn't be out in the sun all the time, right? Because you have an, a way higher incident of incidence of skin cancer, like huh. 300 times wow. skin cancer post-transplant. I know. Crazy. Hmm. And I'm like, Nick loves the beach, and I'm so upset, you know, like, mm -hmm. just little stuff. Like, that you take my, your freedoms. My little boy loves the beach, and I want to be able to take him there, and that's like, you know, little things that like just trigger you, and you're like, mm -hmm. I don't want to do know, this. what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I, like, full-on spiraled. And then I was like, you know, Megan, get yourself together. You you are, like, here and have to get through this and figure it out. Throw something back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just get it together. So, yeah, and then I had to, like, tell people, which, you know, is not my thing. Like, I'm not an ask-for-help type of person. Like, I'm just a, you know, I'll, I'll just get through it because yeah. that's just how I roll. 
so then yeah I had to like tell you guys and mm-hmm. I actually I don't think I even told you I told Sam and let her do it all yeah I think so <laughs> and I I don't even think we really understood you know this we were yeah. young and dumb and yeah the severity yeah. of it all um, and, like telling my family and everything it was just yeah and then you have to explain it over and over and it's just and that's exactly trauma for your kids and again Hormonal just had a baby. Oh, like yeah. A week ago. T- I remember the... No um, sleep, probably. No sleep, right. yeah. Everything makes you cry. Mm-hmm. Not to mention when you have a kid in general, mortality sets in, right? You're like, oh, right. God, I need to be so here I for you. That, like, yeah. double down. Like, you know, yeah. You, ha- yeah, you have a baby and you're like, life is finite. You know, I have to use yeah. every moment. And then I had another baby and I was like, oh, wow. Like, it might be even more finite. Like, yeah. I need to, like, use every second. And also, I'm paralyzed with what do I do next. Right. What decisions do I make for myself? Plus, that's a lot of trauma for a family, too. Like, I even saw when, when my dad died and I was crying and my kids didn't like it, they would come out of the room if they heard me crying in my bed, you know, in the bedroom mm-hmm. or whatever and give me a hug. I'm sure they felt that stress. I know Mick had a little anxiety with it. Oh, yeah. Mick was a wreck. Yeah. When I had the transplant. And he was how old so- when you had the transplant? Five, so Aww. he was a poor child. We took him out of his existing daycare and moved him to a new daycare because he was starting kindergarten. Yeah. And so he switched daycares in, what, June? And then I had the transplant in July, mm-hmm. and then he went to kindergarten in August. Big year. And within a year, he developed, like, OCD symptoms and, like, massive anxiety and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, which, I mean, is not surprising he has done quite well with it he had therapy and he you know we, we've worked through it and, yeah you know he's just you know normal well-adjusted 10 year old that knows a lot about you know medical stuff now but yeah it yeah you know, we we got through it just fine but yeah I was like now I'm making my kid crazy well no <laughs> no not at all I but think I, early intervention's awesome you taught yes. him tools from yeah. more for it a young age to deal so with life. how was the um I just believe everyone should be assigned a therapist and just yes oh yeah why like, not just, like, or, a, yes. or a stress buddy or something i always say know? to alex i'm sorry i'm not stable <laughs> i know like <laughs> so um i'm curious just like how was the process of like the getting on the transplant list like what did you have to wait a while or you know well how was that yeah so i went through the process i was it's weird i was lucky that my lab values my my kidney function was low enough right after i had quinn because then it bounced back up a little bit but you have to be at a certain level to get on the transplant yeah oh since i was on they let me stay on but it actually bounced back up a little bit after that uh but it was never good yeah so i went through the vet and it, it's like a, it's like a, a couple day process you have to have all these this huge battery of tests to get on a transplant list because they want to make sure there's no other complications right so i go to the hospital and my husband Scott's there with me and it's a full day of workups and EKGs and EEGs and like they took like 20 some tubes of blood and I was like wow. how, how much is like too much right like, what do you right yeah now? right um so they did all of that stuff and they put me in um the like the the donor um match system. database so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and so that it works regionally, and so I just went into the one here in the Pittsburgh area. I I went through the UPMC Starzl Transplant Institute, which is yep. phenomenal. Um, Dr. Thomas Starzl, who's recently, in the last couple of years, passed away, was a pioneer in transplantation. He, wow. um, you know, 
they'll take transplantations that are, are more risky than most other places because they're really just a fantastic facility. And it's nice that we live in that in an area that that's an option. It is great. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom had had hers the same place. Okay. So, um, you know, it was we had some experience in that. So I went on the transplant list and basically there's two types of, of donors um, for organs. There's living donors, which you can do for kidney and liver. Um, and other things like bone marrow, those types of things, things you can live without part of. Like you can live without part of a liver. You can donate a piece of your liver to regenerate. You can live without one kidney. Um, and so you can donate one kidney. Um, you can't do that obviously with like heart, lungs, those types of things. Okay. So you can either get a living donor or a cadaveric donor, which is someone who's deceased. Um, living donors have a higher, uh, higher success rate generally. And so um, that's what we, kind of hoped for but also you know I just assumed it would be a deceased donor because I had time on the list and I was you know just going to kind of wait it out but at the time we had no idea how long that would be right you go on the yeah. list and you just kind of we found my kidney disease so you know it was it was so far advanced we didn't know if it was going to be like totally shot within a month or like years yeah it was no projection and so you know I was able to go five years Wow. Or three years, three years, sorry. I went three years on the list before I actually had the transplant and I never went on dialysis. So I was super fortunate. Um, yeah. Cause if you I go on never, dialysis, it's not as great as of a success, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a hassle. You have risks of getting sick and things like that. Obviously it's a great thing, you know, that yeah. people can do it. And I was, you know, would have absolutely done it had I needed to, but it was a relief that I didn't have to. And I was like real close. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was able to, you know, within the three years, I had several living donors who volunteered and went through all of the testing. Um, wonderful, amazing friends and people who, who did that for me. My husband had signed up, yeah. um, Jamie, several, several other friends, yeah. Shay's husband signed up, yeah. um, and was tested. Um, I had a friend coming from New York, um, tons of people just tried it and were tested to see if they were donors for me which again I had to kind of put it out there and that was a really uncomfortable place for me to be mm -hmm. um, to, to put that out there Plus, I like, think hey. there's a lot of mis misunderstanding around it as well like from a donor perspective you're like mm -hmm. you know yeah and it's 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 tough I mean it is a safe process it is a safe process to donate an organ they will reject people What's interesting is most people have a perception of, oh, I'm probably not a match. Actually, you probably are a match. You're more likely to be a match than not most of the time huh. for someone. But the things they exclude people for are generally health issues because they want to ha ensure there's no risk to the you donor. as well, yeah. So like my mother-in-law was like, I will, I'll donate, which was amazing. But she had some other, you know, complicating factors. So they probably, probably wouldn't take you because she had high blood pressure. Yeah. They don't want to give her any issues. They're right? already so, stressed. Her kidneys are already stressed with that. Yeah. yeah and they want to make sure that they're, you know, they're doing no harm yeah. to that person who's donating. Right. So, yeah, that's, um, they're really, really strict around who, who can donate. Okay. Um, and I know it was your coworker that ended up donating yeah. for you. But you guys yeah. did like a quad donation, right? Yeah. So I had a couple false starts. Um, I had a friend um, who, who lived near me who was supposed to, who had registered, went through the testing, and she got the call. And we were in like a 17-person chain, right? So you can do these swaps and chains. 
So for example, if I'm a match with person A, but we, or I, I want to donate to person A, but we don't match. Person B wants to donate to person C and they don't match. We can swap. Okay. Right? So that we yeah. still each get a kidney and the other person, you know, has a recipient, but, you know, they don't necessarily know one another, which is what I ended up doing. We had a chain of 17 that was supposed to happen in February of that year, and it fell through. And my husband was, like, mad that they didn't pick him because <laughs> he was like, why is my kidney not good enough? And I was like, why don't we be grateful that we're not both out of commission? <laughs> there you yeah. go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> two little kids. Gosh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he was like... Why didn't they pick mine? My kidneys are perfect. Like, good for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> yeah, we Typical. might need it later. Typical guy. Yeah, right? Um, He's so competitive about it. So we ended up, um, you know, again, people came out of the woodwork. It was amazing. I felt so loved. And then um, I was at a work event with a colleague who lives in Texas. Uh, her name yeah. is Amanda. And her brother had, was in kidney failure. Uh, and tragically, he passed. And she had said, she was going, you know, we were, we were just talking about him and his life and, and how it all went down. And she said she wanted to donate a kidney in his honor. And she didn't know that I was like, you know, in, in need. Yeah. Failure. Yeah. You're like, don't put and it I out there because I will take your kidney. <laughs> right. I, like, I'm in the market. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. So she said, like, you know, I'd like to donate a kidney. And we were talking about that. You know, we told her about my situation and, and we're talking about, you know, the whole the whole thing and this the scenario and stuff and I said oh that's amazing you want to donate a kidney maybe you could be the donor that kicks off the chain that gets me one wouldn't that be like serendipitous right mm-hmm. and she's like well I mean why don't I just give you one and I was like well as you said Shay like I will take sure. it so yeah. Brett, like, if you're gonna say it like put your yeah. kidney where your mouth is right yeah <laughs> I'll take it and so yes yeah, she went through the testing and it was weird because she was in, she was in Texas and doing a direct donation um so it was a little more complicated but she was a match and so it's this weird i'm an ifo blood type mm-hmm. o negative and she was a but there's a subset of a which this is how alex is going to do it to me too yeah. there is a subset of a that matches with o which i didn't of course you know these are things you have no idea until you go through this process mm-hmm. and they told her she was a match we got all scheduled she came to pittsburgh we were in the hospital she didn't eat for a day we were like ready to go doing our final tests, which they normally do a day in advance or two days in advance or so. But because she was coming here from Houston, um, we did it like exactly the day before. And there's this doctor, Dr. Harry, who insisted on this one final test. Um, it's called a titer test. They normally do it for livers, not kidneys. But because she was an A and I'm an O, he insisted on this test. That test showed that we weren't a great match. Oh, we ended up going yeah. to the, like, and then I'm, you know, they call me that night and they're like, we have another pair. They can do it in a week. And I'm like, like, you know, again, everything's thrown into a whirlwind because yeah. like, this whole thing fell through. Like we were like, ready to like go. 12 hours, you know, I'm like eight hours from surgery. Yeah. Point, right? yeah. And they're calling me saying it's not going to work. Um, so yeah, we went through and did a match with these other two coworkers who are from uh, the east side of Pittsburgh and Washington, PA. Wow. And they were, everyone had agreed to the swap before the doctor called me, which again, like waterworks. Yeah. Like so grateful that all these amazing people, because these other two were a match. They didn't have to do this. Aww. They could have just gone ahead by themselves and been like, you know what? Sorry, we're comfortable as we are, right? Uh-huh. Um, so then, yeah, they don't let you meet your match beforehand. So like that was end of June. 
it was 8th of July, we did the, uh, the surgery. They don't let you meet your people until you're ready to go. Um, and so like after the surgery, you wake up and you can like go find them on the hallway and stuff. So we didn't meet the other, the other pair until like the day after we all woke up. Uh, and you know, yeah. my donor, poor Amanda had to like stay in Pittsburgh for 10 days because she couldn't fly after surgery. And so she had a bit of a rough recovery mm-hmm. and then she flew home and it was, you know, flights don't make surgery incisions feel better. No. So, um, but look what she gave yeah. you, you know? And I know it's amazing and she is amazing and she's just such a wonderful person yeah and the other people were you know amazing that they were able to swap with us and it was just fantastic and we had a a, a transplant anniversary yep. party a year later that. and you know mm-hmm. we all still text one another every year for our our transplant anniversary and check in with Aww. each other and see how we're doing it's great well you guys are definitely a family and it does take me back to the mantra where you're I am filled with love for myself and others I mean that is true love for humankind to donate an organ and so if somebody was yeah. interested in donating i'm sure they could reach out to you and you would give them more information of course i'd be happy to but you can also start, you know go to organizations like um core organ transplant donor organization or donate life yeah um and those types of places get have tons of information i mean like when you go get your driver's license yeah you can check the box for organ donation um, I, was, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around it. Like people think, oh, well, you know, if, if I'm an organ donor, they're going to pull the plug on me to harvest my organs. Like that's not the case. You know, yeah. every, doctors are going to give you every chance you have to survive. And then once there's no chance left, um, you know, that's when that happens. So and I was um, reading, you should tell your family too. Like I want to be an organ donor, even though yeah. if it's on your license, you also need to tell your family as yeah. well and then to be a living organ donor I mean I've had people say to me before you know I'm registered as an organ donor but they've never called me to be tested for anyone and that's not how that works like if you want to wanted to be a living organ donor you need to call a donation center they there are people who are what they call altruistic donors who just call up an organ donation center um, or organization and say hey I'd like to donate an organ I'd like to yeah. donate a kidney or a part of a liver um, which is amazing that someone would be so selfless and you know just want to give literally a piece of them to the world so someone else could be well but it happens and it saves many lives because you know the chain reaction that can kick off and allow more people to to get life-saving transplants i mean the, the list of organ transplants kidneys in particular is like hundreds of thousands of people at all times yeah you you can do something about that with while you're alive. I think I was reading, it was like, in just in the U.S. alone, it was like over 90,000 people are on the list awaiting a, a yeah, kidney transplant. Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, the average wait time is like three to five years, I think it said. Yeah. Um, so just to wrap things up also, so now your life, like you're on these anti-rejection medications, which make you a little bit compromised immune wise. So yeah. we have COVID, a pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, add that on there. So uh-huh. I know you wanted to talk about too. A lot of us only think of us in like our own situation, but there's a lot of people that are walking around that are immune compromised. And what does that look like? And what do you think people need to be aware of now that we're sort of moving towards living like we were post the pa- or pre the pandemic? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, and it's not, I mean, obviously the pandemic is a bit more terrifying, right? But, um, because people who have had transplants are on immune compromising drugs and have to take them 
forever, right? Mm -hmm. Plus there's cancer patients and many other people who mm -hmm. just have compromised immune systems for one reason or another. People yep. with lupus, Crohn's, whatever. Lyme, um, yeah. And it disproportionately, you know, viruses disproportionately impact those people. They have a harder time fighting them off. They have generally a harder time once they get them. Yep. The scary thing is they look just like everybody else. Like I, you know, I don't look like there's something wrong with me, right? No, I'm not, not at all. Old, you know, nope. Sickly looking human um, that you might think, oh man, she's not. Yeah, not well. I'll be a little careful. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, I was able to get the vaccine early, which is great. But we recently learned the vaccine's not super effective in transplant patients. And they're oh, running no. similar tests in cancer patients and you know other patients who are immune compromised. So. You know, ironically, the people who probably need it the most are getting the least benefit from it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I, I always get on this kind of soapbox every year with the, with the flu. You know, yeah. people are like, I never get the flu. Why would I get the flu shot? Well, I, I can't get as much immunity from the flu shot. Yeah. As, you know, you as an, a, a normal, healthy person can. So it helps for everyone to get the flu shot because then people like me and babies and, you know, grandmas, can have more immunity because our bodies just don't react the same way to, um, you know, to the vaccines and stuff. So yeah, I, I went into a study to find out if I had immunity from my vaccine and it doesn't look like I have much coverage. From so, COVID? The COVID yeah, vaccine? How COVID. crazy. I know. And so I'm like, man, I'm like back where I was last March because now, you know, everyone's out there doing their thing and not wearing masks. And, you know, that's great that we're getting back to normal. And I was, you know, of that same mindset, like, you know, I'll be careful. I've always worn a mask when I flew since the transplant yeah. um, or traveled in a, in a busy area. Um, but yeah, now it's like, oh, I, because I don't know who's vaccinated, who's not, I, I have to trust that people are, which, you know, generally I don't necessarily yeah. tr trust well, that everyone around me is doing the right thing because they don't think. And that's when people yeah. are like, oh, I don't feel that sick. I'll just run to the store that yeah. does put other people who mm -hmm. don't have that your same immune system at massive risk and people just never think of that yeah that's the thing is that that awareness for others the love for others just being being aware that your worldview is your worldview and just to sometimes go out of your way to yeah. help your community you know and wearing a mask is so easy yeah it's so easy yeah <laughs> i'm actually kind of used to it it does not bother me one bit yeah Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, it's just being respectful to other people. Yeah. Know? I think, th I think your situation makes, you know, myself more aware of it for sure. Mm -hmm. So to wrap it up, cause I think our zoom's going to run out here. Um, our why nots of the day. Do you have any why nots of the day? Anybody? Me, my why not is why not register to be an organ donor? There you go. Yeah. That's what I And get vaccinated and wear your mask, you know, just do, do things for other people, people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. Why not check out being an organ donor? Um, you know, even if it's as little as checking it on your driver's license and why not research more about being a living donor? Because mm -hmm. you never know the impact that you may have on somebody if you're in the situation to do so. How about you, Jayla? You got any? Why not take a day off? I like that. Yeah. Shut your phone I'm off for a half Friday. hour. I'm taking my watch, my Apple watch off today and I'm shutting my phone off for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get away when you work from home. <laughs> oh. Which means you just work all the time. You just work all the time. That's what mm -hmm. you do. 24 seven. 
Well, I will put in the show notes your contact information. Um, if anybody was interested about becoming a living donor or had any more questions, I know Megan would be a great resource on that mm-hmm. as well. Or if I'd any- be happy to send you to a real expert that knows more than I do. Yeah, maybe we'll get your doctor on the podcast one day. Heck yeah, my doctor's awesome. Is he? Does he have a personality? Some do, some I don't. I have two. I have two doctors, and there's a, there's a male and a female doctor that support me, and then a transplant coordinator. So there's like a team Cunningham, uh, and they're awesome. Talk but about the also... pressure of that job. Mm-hmm. Lord oh. Almighty. I, I mean, you know doctors. The, the, the guys that get that job are they want it for the pressure. So. <laughs> yeah, they want that pressure. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Megan. I know I learned a lot, and I'm your friend. <laughs> yes, I learned a lot. Um, but I just, I mean, you are an inspiration. It's been, yeah. what, three years now? So It'll four, be five. Oh, geez, wow. So five years successfully yeah. living, you know. And kicking, kicking butt. Not only that, this it's is not. international s- sales or whichever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, I mean, it's not slowed you down in the no. slightest. Megan still has a little um, alcohol every once in a while, too, which is always once something I wondered about kidney transplanting. Yeah. In moderation. Yeah. Like life. Yeah. So that's good to know. You can still kind of live your best life and, you know, not let it slow you down. You are a uh, inspiration for that. Inspiration. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is the Ask Yourself Why Not Podcast. Why Not Podcast. Mm -hmm. And today we learned why not become an organ donor. Organ donor. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you.